Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content. Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum and today I'm speaking with Chris Friend and we're talking about the gospel and disability. Chris is the CEO of Collective Hope Community Services in Perth, the mighty WA. Welcome to you, Chris. So good to be with you, Tina. It is fantastic to have somebody from out the West and talk about this very important space of this intersection of the gospel and disability and our responses as Christians. Now, you have been working in this space for a while, but tell me a little bit about yourself, Chris, because my understanding is, in fact, you're a, you're a senior minister in church, you're involved in a greater denomination, and in your spare time, you're doing this incredible work. <laughs> Yeah, look, the, the story really starts with the call of God, the, the classic question of who can I send? I think we answer God with that question, here I am, Lord, send me. It's Isaiah 6 stuff. And if you told me five years ago I'd be doing now what I'm doing now, I wouldn't have believed you, but here we are doing all kinds of wonderful things. So it's been a, a tremendous story. Yeah, amazing. And before the community services arm started, tell me a little bit about Collective Hope as a a group of uh, churches, church locations. Yeah, we did church planting over the years. It really starts about 15 years ago, give or take, and planted some churches, did the things that church planters do. You kind of try and think like a missionary. You kind of try, if if you're legitimately trying to do church planting, you think like a missionary. I don't want to transfer Christians from church A to church B. That's not legitimate. I want to reach people that no one else is reaching. And so we did the things that churches do. We helped students and university campuses. We helped refugees. We helped new migrants. We did all kinds of things. And along the way, landed in the space of helping people with housing. And that started with people coming out of prison, people coming out of a drug rehab program, people coming off the streets legitimately or out of domestic violence situations. And we just housed more and more and more people till eventually we realized there was this common thread through the story of disability. That's really where it started. And then out of that comes now this this thing called Collective Hope Disability Services. Yeah, what an incredible story. And I guess, did you intend to kind of go down this track, Chris? What was the journey? Because for me, you know, I think about the word disability and how do I engage as a Christian in that space? It's not the natural space that you, as an everyday believer, think, oh, I'm going to land there. Is there a background connection beyond the housing and things that the church was doing? for yourself to people with disabilities? Yeah, good question. If if you'd told me again, if you'd told me this is where I'd be landing, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But now looking back across 30 odd years, now I can see the thread. Now I can see what God was doing. I was with my wife, a youth pastor back in our early 20s. We started a youth group with six kids. I said, God, give me six 14 year olds. 
He gave me six 14-year-olds. He gave me five boys and one girl. I still feel sorry for that girl because those five boys were rough. <laughs> but that, that was a bunch of kids that, that grew. It was um, in the northern suburbs of Perth in some areas with state housing. Kids with broken homes, broken backgrounds, parents are drug addicts, all those kinds of stories. And about 10% of that group, as it grew, it grew to more than 70 kids. As it grew, about 10% of that group had disability of some sort. So as I look back on my life, I realize, hold on, there's been a thread here of doing things in that space without intentionally being in that space. And I think really, probably what I would say is we've been asking God to reach the society around us, community around us. And they're kind of hitting the numbers of what you see in society, if that makes sense. It's reflective. So if the community has a certain number of African migrants or Asian migrants or refugees or disability or whatever it might be, we're reaching those kinds of numbers and similar, similar kind of stats. So that kind of makes sense to me now, but I had to work that out along the way, <laughs> well and truly. Let me tell you about Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 was a chapter that God gave to me as I was going into my marriage with my wife, been married for 32 years this year, lovely, lovely Natalie, and the pastor giving us some, some great pre-marriage advice, taking us through a course and walking us up to the day of the wedding, said to us, go away, get a verse from God, get a passage from God, and ask that that will be a passage that will lead you in your marriage and family. And the Lord gave me Isaiah 58. I kind of landed on that thinking, okay, I've done my homework, I can go to this session, present Isaiah 58, job done, end of story. But at every major junction in my life, both personally and in ministry, Isaiah 58 has been a passage God has used to speak to me. Yeah, so Chris, of that Isaiah 58, what is it that has really spoken to you over the years? Isaiah 58 is known as that fasting chapter. This is the kind of fast I want, God says. People know it for that reason. But as I read Isaiah 58, I really see it through a lens of negative imagery that we can flip with prophetic imaginations into positive imagery. So the words that appear in the negative are words like injustice, yoke, oppression, hunger, homelessness, nakedness. They're the, the needs that God is addressing to his people. But as we flip that, we can see justice, freedom, shalom, an abundance of food, not just food for the person, but enough food to share, not just housing, but homes, and of course, people with clothing, physical garments, clothing of that kind. But beyond that, clothes to cover their shame, cover their nakedness, the, the robes of righteousness that Christ offers, of course. So wonderful images as we flip it into the positive. The other bit that I see is in verse 12. It says your people will rebuild ancient ruins, raise up age-old foundations. You'll be the repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's a picture of a city. Now, we get that in kind of Israel terminology. God wants to rebuild Jerusalem. We get that. But for now, for 21st century Aussies, we are literally building cities. And those cities will no longer be in ruins, but will stand proud and strong. They'll be full of walls of protection, streets filled with children playing, homes filled with loving families, a city that God is proud to call his own. Now, you could say that's the local church. Good on you. I like that. That's not bad. But we want our whole city to be like this. We want to see kingdom come and God's will be done in every aspect of society. So we want our city to literally be like this, which is all about transformation stuff, isn't it? It's, it's seeing the city transform from the bottom up to the top down as the kingdom of God comes in fullness. 
So I see that right through Isaiah 58. I didn't see it 30 years ago. I can see it now. <laughs> and of course, in a kingdom transformation stuff, city transformation stuff, Tim Keller talks about that. M.T. Wright talks about that. Roger Sutton, Ian Shelton from Movement Day. So many voices are talking about us taking back our cities. So in many ways, I see Isaiah 58 as just one way of viewing that vision. Let's take back our city for Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And it is exciting to hear all those voices that are are speaking presently about this. Uh, Chris, when you use the word disability and I use the word disability, I'm just wondering whether we are meaning the same thing. So what is in your mind when you talk about the gospel and disability? Good question. I think we are often thinking about disability in terms of what someone can't do. So the person who is in a wheelchair can't climb stairs the way that I can. So we're viewing disability through a can't word. When we're kingdom people, I think we don't see others through the the realm or the lens of can't. We see it through the realm or lens of can. If you're thinking body ministry, if you're thinking about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, for instance, it's what you can do. If you're an evangelist, you can do evangelism. If you're a person who has a gift of healing, you can do healing. You're equipped by the Spirit to do something. And if we see the body of Christ through a can-do lens, we're not listing Tina in terms of what she can't do, we're listing Tina in terms of what she can do, or Chris in terms of what he can do. When we apply that same lens in an equal way to people with disability, we see them not through the disability first, we see them through the lens of what Christ sees first, what they can do, who they're called to be. And of course, in the Christian world, there are so many people who have done just that. Johnny Erickson is a great example, a woman with a quadriplegia in a wheelchair. But you would hopefully in your mind list all the things she can do, not the things that she can't do. That's a great picture of how we should see disabilities, who this person is and what they can do. Yes, absolutely. And people that you do get to know that would have a disability. I can think of people in in my mind with a severe, obvious physical disability uh, are extraordinary. And so I'm glad that you've you've stated that. What types of people do you work with in Collective Hope Community Services? Tell me about those people that you are day-to-day working with as an organisation. Our typical client is a client with psychosocial disabilities. So you're talking about the kinds of things that have come out of severe trauma, for instance, come out of events in their life, or perhaps a stroke, something like that, that's resulted in, in, in the disability that you may be thinking of. I can think of one guy who has been a tremendous blessing to us. He was attending one of our church services and has had a severe stroke. Uh, he's nonverbal. He can barely use words. He has some mobility. He can walk, for instance, but there's a bit of one side of the body uh, not moving as well as the other side. There's limited mobility. And so people would pick him up for the church service on a Sunday. They'd go there to get him and bring him. And when the sermon would happen and you tell a sad story, he'd be saying, oh, on the front, on the front row. Or if it's a happy story, he'd be saying, oh, on the front row. You'd, you'd see that there's a response taking place. Clearly understands what's being told. And if it was time to pray, he would bow his head. He would pray. There was responsiveness every step of the way even though he was non-verbal. One of the things that caught us and the team that was taking turns to pick him up from where he was living was he was really being mistreated. They would go to pick him up and he was sitting in, you know, an unwashed condition, sitting in his own 
uh, soiling of his, of his clothing. He needed a shower. He needed to be taken care of. And the people, the staff there that were being paid to take care of him were not doing that. So we went to bat. We fought pretty hard for him. And uh, through the, the system of hoops, he became a client of ours and now lives in one of our homes. And from that point, there's been a dramatic transformation in terms of his day-to-day life, in terms of his care and supports, in terms of what he can and can't do. And there's improvement taking place. Now, we, we pray with him, we pray for him, we love him. And you can see the flourishing of, of this life from a life that's, you know, in many ways was, was full of predictable dead ends to a life that's full of hope in Christ. It's been beautiful to watch. My father-in-law, he, he's actually changed churches. He comes to the church that I, I'm based at. And he comes to that service. My father-in-law is there. And my father-in-law was a Dutch migrant in his primary school years. He will avoid speaking Dutch. In his mind, he's an Aussie. I speak English. That's it. End of story. So my wife was raised not speaking Dutch in the home. You get the idea. This family speaks English. End of story. Well, for some reason, called the leader of the spirit, whatever, my father-in-law walked over to this guy and started speaking to him in Dutch. And would you believe it? That was his first language. I didn't know that. None of us knew that. He's non-verbal. He doesn't talk. But my father-in-law, in speaking to him, it just, he just opened up, if that makes sense, in a whole bunch of ways, expressing himself to, to, to my father-in-law in this language of the heart. That's really what language is, isn't it? It becomes a heart thing. And God knows our heart language. And through the gift of the body of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, moving through his people, we can minister to people society ignores, society would rather cast away, society may try and forget about. But Christ Jesus, he knows their hearts, he knows their names, he knows their heart language, he communicates with them, and may he use us in the process. Yes, amen. Chris, I'm, I'm just smiling listening to that story. Do you think that this well i'm just saying what i see sometimes sometimes i perceive that there's god at work in greater measures when it comes to people i engage with or or you engage with that do have some type of a disability or who have gone through some extreme trauma and Am I reading too much into it or is there something in that? I love the question. Amos Young is a fairly famous theologian, an Asian-American theologian. He's a leading voice in the world, um, has a brother with Down syndrome, writes in the space around disabilities. And Amos Young says this, that people uh, with, with disabilities or people who are poor or people facing those kinds of things that... Uh, that put them at the outcast level of society and not just objects of charity or even symbols of the injustice of the world. They are the channels through which a lost world encounters God. It's an amazing thought. We can think of disabilities or people with need and that we're the ones helping them, but it works both ways. God uses them to help us. It speaks backwards, if that makes sense. Henry Nguyen discovered this, that Catholic theologian many would know. He discovered that in an amazing way and gave his life to the cause of serving people that he said, I'm not just serving them, they serve me. So we find God working in mysterious ways in this space. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we find God in these most unexpected places, most unexpected conversations and unexpected people. Mm. 
Absolutely. I'm sure that the the work that you're involved in, at, at times people must ask the questions and inquire why you do what you do or or ask you to talk a little bit about about your faith. I'm often asked that question myself, where where is this intersection of saying something about Jesus and serving people and helping them through their through their times? Tell us a little bit about that. I wouldn't class myself as a as an evangelist. It's not kind of my first list of five gifts, if that makes sense. I've won people to Christ, I've seen people saved, that's part of my my life story. But I wouldn't see myself as an evangelist first and foremost. So the proclamation in word and seeing the results of that wouldn't be kind of the best area of example for me, if that makes sense. But proclamation of the gospel indeed, yeah, that's that's been my story. That's been the, the journey to date. And to have people come back to you 10, 15, 20, 25 years later and say, you, you serve me in this way, and now I'm ready to receive Christ in my heart is a remarkable thing to have happen. And that's that's my story. That's what happens to me. People out of the blue will suddenly reach out and reach back. And the seed's been sown and God obviously is responsible for watering that seed. That's his job, not mine. He uses people to do that. But to see that come back is a miraculous thing. So I think the church, the evangelical church, the Pentecostal church has to work out this proclamation in word, proclamation in deed, mix, and how to get that right. And I think we we make those things opposites when they're not opposites. They're two halves of a whole, the two sides to a coin. And I think if body ministries done properly, proclamation in word, proclamation in deed, will go side by side, hand in hand, as the gifts operate properly. You shouldn't sacrifice one without the other. Definitely not. Yes, absolutely. And that is a a big discussion. Let's talk about, Chris, the connection of Collective Hope Community Services and Collective Hope, the churches that you you lead. And you're also the head of your denomination. Is that correct? Yeah, I've got got a few hats. Where's the crossover or what are you seeing in terms of the community service and your church you said before that someone that you met through community service was at your church service and that got my attention i thought oh gosh how did that happen because aussies aren't kind of putting their hands up to even go to a church service good question i think you know the the lord has been good here he's he's given us people who will invite people to church and you know invite people to christ will share the gospel with them and you know this you can invite 20 people to church and one person comes and 19 don't but Welcome to the nature of how things work. We expect, as Westerners, immediate results. We want things to happen right now. I want my drive through coffee right now. I want my Maccas right now. I want the person to get saved the second I shared Jesus with them. But I think real kingdom work is long haul. It's, it's long term. We've got to keep on doing it faithfully, for sure. So for us, we have, would you believe, people coming from other services, other providers, other than our provider. Collective Hope Disability Services. So in a given church on a Sunday morning, people are coming from other services with their support workers to church. And often support workers aren't people of faith. They're coming to church and hearing the gospel because they're at work. They've brought their client with them to church. So I'm seeing an interesting thread right there. And there's no way you'd try and you know get their client to come across from that provider to us. That's not how it works. They're in church to hear about Jesus, to 
worship Jesus, to share Jesus. Let's let's honour that. Let's be faithful to that. Let's have integrity around that. But something's definitely happening that's quite intriguing to me. The other thing for us is we don't shy away from the fact that Collective Hope Community Services is a Christian entity. You'd think that would work against us in the way you were dealing with guardians or providers or support coordinators or the stakeholders in the sector. But they've come to know us for who we are. They know we're believers. They know that we do the work we do. And they come to us because of the runs on the board. They see what we do and how we do it. So alongside disability services, we do recovery college work. Uh, We're helping people through recovery programs, helping people not just stay in the trauma they've been in, but to come out of the trauma they've been in whole bunch of practical programs to get them back in the workforce again. We do work placements, all kinds of things alongside the the core disability service. So there's wraparound services taking place and the more time goes by, the more we'll be plugging into those kinds of things that I think the church should be doing, the things that Christians should be doing. Let's help people with their marriages. Let's help people with their kids. Let's help people with employment. Let's help them with all those things that are getting in the way of living the life that God's called them to live. And of course, Jesus is in the middle of all of that. Yes, absolutely. It's a challenging area of work and many churches just don't go into that space because they don't have the resource or or they feel unsure of how to engage with people with disability. What are the things you think that Christians and, and churches need to overcome? What are the biggest internal hurdles, I guess, or mindsets that, w- that we may have that would stop us from working and reaching out to people with disability? Mm, good, good thought. I think the challenge is to just think like a missionary first. We send missionaries overseas, they land somewhere, there's no church, there's no church building, there's nothing in place, they have to break open hard ground. And the first thing you do is reach out and see who you can serve, who you can help, and the way God brings those people to you. If the church in Australia or a Western setting approached society around it the same way, we'd be surprised at what God would do. And there's great examples across our landscape of churches doing just this, but you get the idea. It might not be disability services, it might be something else, but there'll be an apparent need that can be met and God will build the church through that need being met. It's, it's the kingdom thing. In terms of disability, yeah, for many people, there's an obstacle there. Perhaps we're so quick we want to see them healed that we want to lay hands on them. And if we don't see an immediate healing, we walk away. We kind of give up. That's that's a bit slack, isn't it? Or we, we think that's the job of professionals. Professionals are taking care of this person. It's not my work. And again, we miss out. I'm the kind of person that thinks this way. If God brings someone across my path today, that's an opportunity for me to bring Jesus today. And I want to be faithful to that opportunity that he's brought to me. And I think if we strip it all back to the simple thought of faithfulness, faithfulness to great commission, faithfulness to great commandment, faithfulness to Jesus the King, if we just start with faithfulness, we'd be amazed at what God can do. So no more excuses, just just do it. Yes, absolutely. Because it's just so much easier to just connect with people that are of my own kind. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's That's way too easy. For you, what have been the biggest changes um, that you can see if you now look back and see what the Lord's been doing, particularly since you've had Collective Hope Community Services? For you personally, what's different? What's the Lord been doing? It, it's been a journey, well and truly. I think any leader who's gone through the seasons that God takes you through, 
there's ongoing changes inside of you. It's, it's the wineskins metaphor, I think. You know, the wineskin, if it's old, it can't contain new wine. It needs to be changed. And I feel the same way. It's had to be multiple points of, of God shifting my mindsets, my thoughts, my priorities, my calendar, my schedule, all the rest of it to, to be ready to handle the next thing God wants to do. So it's been personally challenging. It, would, it wouldn't be truthful not to say that. But challenging because this is the, the cost of following Christ. I think that's where it sits. It's not the challenges of this particular ministry or church planting or denominational leadership or the other things that I do. It's the cost of following Christ. And following Jesus comes with major shifts inside of us. But as you do and then look back, wow, the joy, the joy of seeing what Jesus has done, that, that makes it all worth it, well and truly, totally worth it. Yeah, amen. Chris, let's um, talk about one of your favourite stories that you've seen the Lord do as his love has flowed and um, touched people that you're working with. Is there a story that comes to mind for you? I think one of the things that has blessed me is seeing that people in these spaces, when they really know their need, they're so open to the gospel. They're so receptive. It reminds me the gospel's received not just in individual terms, not just one person getting saved in isolation, but it's the way the community works together. I think this is why God created the church. One reason why the church exists is because as the church as a body loves Jesus as a body, the outsider coming in sees, this is how all men know you're my disciples, by the love you have one for another. So seeing people come in one by one by one, and being transformed by the love of Christ that they see in the community. They might not be able to quote the Bible at you. They might not be able to reference the Romans road or whatever gospel presentation we may use. But they'll say the love of Christ in that community has touched my heart and I'm saying yes to that. And I can, th I can think of a whole bunch of names that fit that kind of space. Each one of those is a joy. Each one of those is amazing to see. Yeah, it is amazing how much light does shine from us as believers and particularly where there's brokenness around. It seems that the light is even brighter and, and so much more appreciated than potentially in other spaces. That's right. Well, Chris, I'm going to drop some links today because I know you mentioned a few people as we've been talking today and the works that they've been involved with, with people in these spaces of disability. And so I'll put those in the show notes so that people can click on and have a look and have a little bit of an explore. A final thing, is there something that you on your heart you're like I just want to I just want to put this in there before we close out our time together I'd like to encourage people and thank you for having me I really do appreciate the offer I'd like to encourage people the kingdom action and kingdom proclamation go hand in hand and the challenge to position ourselves as a body body of Christ is something we do together in both spaces that there's people who are speaking and speaking the gospel clearly and people who are doing doing the gospel clearly and I think the church in the West, in Australia, the, the church wants, wants to be seen for the works that it does. That The world wants to see the church believes what it believes. So don't just tell me you believe that Jesus is the answer to every problem in society. Show me Jesus is the answer to every problem in society. So, you know, whatever gift God has given a person, run with that gift. Be faithful to that gift. Absolutely. If you're a pro proclaimer in word, proclaim in word. But let's get those who proclaim indeed alongside them to show the gospel is being lived 
being done. Let's let's be that church. Yeah, amen. That's challenging. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Love the work that Collective Hope Community Services are doing and we wish you all the best.